when you think about uh, you think about unity, you think about what's um, what we see out in our world. You hear a lot of people talk about uh, unity, and there's a lot of different views when it comes to unity. Uh, many times we think we can have unity and agreement by disagreeing. You can still have unity by, you know, uh, uh, disagreeing on things. And when it comes into the, especially the religious aspect of it, we've got to understand that Jesus prayed for unity, John 17. When people talk about the Lord's Prayer, that's where we really need to go when he prayed to the Father that we all would be one like him and the Father are one. Uh, and Paul, uh, when the apostles talked about unity in Ephesians 4, and that's what we're going to talk about today, but I hope we can come to a, a good understanding. And I want to start with uh, verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians 4, kind of as our platform here. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So when Paul here is talking about unity, he, he talks about some characteristics in which we are to have if we're going to have unity. He says we have to, one, walk uh, worthy of the calling which we're called. He said there's a certain way in which we should live. There's a certain way in which we should be. There's certain characteristics that we should have. And if we have those things, then, then that's what is naturally going to come is unity. If we're all thinking these things, have these same characteristics when it comes to walking worthy of the calling um, with lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. Now here's where we usually can have an issue. We, we take that... And we say, well, you've got to bear with one another. You've got to be gentle and humble and long-suffering. Many people take that to mean there, there needs to be compromise. There can still be, be compromise because we're humble. We don't want to force ourselves on anybody. We don't want to force, uh, uh, be narrow-minded toward individuals. And that's how you have unity is just kind of get along to get along. But the problem with that is, is, is Paul doesn't stop there. Paul goes on to tell us that in order, these characteristics are things we should have, but in order to have unity, we have to understand that there is some absolute truths. You know, in, in our world today, we have individuals, all, you hear me say this a lot, one of my pet peeves that, that people say when they say, well, this is my truth. There, there's no such thing as my truth. There's the truth. And there's some absolute truths. And Paul says for us to have unity, yes, we need to be long-suffering. We need to be gentle. We, we need to walk worthy of that calling which we're called. We need to have this bond of peace. We, we don't need to pursue conflict, but we have to understand something. We have to understand that there are some absolute truths. There are some unchanging things. So what he's going to tell us is the foundation of of unity is based on what he's going to say here, verses 4 through 6. He says, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. 
So he says, okay, here's the characteristics you have. You know, you want to pursue peace. You want to have this unity. But to have unity, we have to understand that there is a foundation that we have to, be, that we have to build this on or it's going to crumble. And that, that foundation is these absolute truths. Now, where we run into an issue is that uh, people will, will take part of these. They will take... Uh, the, the one Lord, they will take the one God, they will take the one spirit. You ask the, the, the average person, uh, do you believe there's one God? What do you think most people are going to say? Yeah. Do, do you think that, uh, uh, that there is one Lord? Most people will say, yeah. But one spirit, well, yeah. But when you start getting into these other fundamental things of absolute truth, they don't want to accept that. And that's where you run into problems. Because you can't have the one Lord, you can't have the one Spirit, you can't have the one God unless you have all of these ones. Because it's all tied together. So as we go through these things, these, these foundations of these truths, we, we have to understand that we have to accept these or we can't accept any of it. But that's, that's the problem that we run into. Again, if you ask uh, uh, most people, most people will respond that, uh, you know, the one God, the one Lord, one faith, or the one uh, spirit, but you ask them about the one faith. And that's where the waters become murky, isn't it? Well, you, you, it, it really doesn't matter what you believe. And that's evident from all the denominations that we see, all the different religious groups, because a lot of people believe a lot of different things. Now, they believe in the one God, they'll believe in the one Lord, they'll believe in the one Spirit, but then when it gets to the one faith, they don't believe in the one faith, because that's evident from things that are taught here to things that are taught here. There's different things taught all over through the religious world. So it's evident that they don't believe that there's one faith, they don't believe that there's one body because they'll say, well, it's the body, but we, we all make up the body. You know, we, we're, we're, we're different people, and they'll go with the, the, the tree and the branches. It's just every denomination is a different branch from the same tree. And we're going to look today, and we're going to see where that's a problem too. One baptism. Is there one baptism? Well, I believe there's one Lord. I believe there's, there, there's one God, but the one baptism, it's, it, it really depends on what you think is right. It depends on where do you think you should be sprinkled, whether you think you should be baptized at all, who you think should be baptized. And it, it goes, the list kind of goes on, but it goes back to, okay, I believe this, but this is my truth on the rest of it. Well, you either believe the truth, the absolute unchangeable truth, or we don't. And I think that's where we see a lot of, uh, again, a lot of issues when it comes to things today. So what I want to do is I want us to look at each one of these ones and see does it mean one or does it not? It either does or it doesn't. Now, again, we've got to have these characteristics, as you see, verses 1 through 3. We have to be long-suffering. We need to be humble. We need to be gentle. We need to walk worthy of that calling which we're called. But when we're called, we're called by the Word of God. Once we're called to that, we accept that, we follow that, we're walking in a certain way, there's certain absolute truths that we have to follow that are unwavering. And we have to make sure that we, we understand that. So, 
We can't have unity uh, at any price. Uh, Paul gives us, I believe, these ones uh, that are the grounds for unity. I think if we follow this, we're in the same mind, we're, we, we, we're walking the same way, we're, we, we have the same characteristics, we're, I think we should automatically believe these same truths and have this common ground as our foundation. Let's look first <coughs> Excuse me. First at the one body. Um, notice, he says there is one body. Now, when we think about one body, I think it's easy to forget that, that this is a, a picture. We read the term that we belong to the body of Christ, and we forget what that implies. Well, look at Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So notice what this implies here. If there's one body... There's, there's only one head. Is that correct? Isn't there only one head for the body? So, and Christ is the head, so He is the body, and we're part of that one body, which is the church. We could do a whole lesson of what this, this one body is. It's the one church. Jesus said, upon this rock, based on Peter's confession, Matthew 16 and 18, He said, I will build my church, singular, not churches, because it's only one body. Now again, that sounds narrow-minded. It sounds like we're judgmental. But we have to realize there's either an absolute truth that we follow, an unchangeable truth that we follow, or there's not. So when it comes to this one body, we function under the control of that one head and we're part of that one body. Now, there can't be multiple bodies. There can't be... I mean, think about this. It's pretty simple. It should be when we think about it. Do I have, uh, I feel like I do, that my body's expanding a lot, but I don't have multiple bodies. If, if I'm doing something in the garage and, and, and I'm fooling with stuff there, I don't have a body also in the house doing something else, or I don't have a body at work doing something else. I don't have a body doing something. Where I'm working, where I'm at, that's where my body is because that's what my head is controlling. I'm, it's controlling the things in my body, and I'm doing the things in which I'm doing at that time. I, there's only one body. This, this is the picture that he is, is picturing. He said, okay, walk worthy of that calling which you're called, he said, here's these characteristics to have, but understand there is one body. So within that one body, this is how I'm supposed to act. This is how, what I'm supposed to do. <clears throat> this is how the world perceives me, and this is how I'm in fellowship with God, is understand there's one body. Now, that, that's hard for some people to understand because you can say, and I've had individuals say this, well, well Ronald, it, it doesn't mean this. It, it, you know, there's, there, there's one body, but the body has, you can go to Corinthians, you can go to Romans, and it talks about the hands doing this, the feet doing this, and all, all this in the religious world, that's what it is. It, it's just part of the same body, but they're just doing different things. Well, does our body work like that? I mean, again, if I'm in the garage working, I don't have, you know, my hand's not in the house working and doing something. You know, my hand is attached to the body of what I'm doing there. I, I have to realize that you say, well, you can multitask. Well, I can't anymore. I don't know. You might can, but, but I can't. But I can still only do what my one body is allowing me to do. 
It's not detached from that and doing something totally different. So if, if Christ is the head, the head is deciding what the body is doing. I'm part of that one body. There, there's not multiple bodies, just like there's not multiple churches. The church is the body. He's the head of the church, which is the body. So there's only one. Now, sometimes we want to skirt around that. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to talk about that. Sometimes it's uncomfortable when you're sitting with family or you're sitting with friends or you're sitting with co-workers or standing and they're talking about that and you don't want to be unkind, but we shouldn't be unkind. We should be, as Paul said, be long-suffering, be humble and gentle and, and walking worthy, but I can't compromise what these truths are. I can't just go along to get along. Now, sometimes we get asked the question, well, you think Church of Christ is the only one going to heaven. Well, I think Christ's church that he built is the only one going to heaven. There, there's no other answer for that. Now, we can, as the world can, we can use that term just like denomination uh, do. Uh, what does the Church of Christ believe on this? Or what does the Church of Christ believe? Well, whatever the head believes. The head is, is, is over the body. I'm not part of a denomination. I'm part of the body. Denomination means divided within itself anyway. It, it, it's divided into different denominations. So I'm part of that one body. So when he comes back for his church, his body, that's what he's doing. When we meet him in the sky, that's, that, that we have to be part of that body. And that's an absolute truth. I can't change from that. I can't want it to be something else. I can't say, well, my truth. I was, I was watching something. I guess it may have been last night. This individual was supposed to be, I assume, a minister that was giving advice to these individuals, and they were discussing some things when it comes to heaven and hell. And uh, this individual that was supposed to be a minister was basically saying, well, you can't tell this person that uh, uh, they're going to go to hell because they don't believe uh, in God and Jesus and well actually it was of Jesus this particular conversation that they don't believe in Jesus they're, they're a good moral person they have a good good inner you know being and as he was describing this I thought how in the world can you say that how can you say that that if you don't believe in Jesus the one Lord that you're, you're going to spend eternity with him See, that's what my truth is, right? That's what a person thinks. Well, I just feel like this is what God would do. I just feel like this is uh, what uh, uh, God would be like. We're going to get into that part a little more in, in, in our worship service. But when it comes to the one body, that's where individuals have a hang-up. And I think we do sometimes because we're afraid to say, I'm part of that one body. If I'm not part of that one body, I'm detached from the head, and Jesus no longer is my Lord, so there can't be one Lord. I can't believe in one Lord and not believe in the one body because I can't separate the two. So people will pick and choose what they want to do, but we have to make sure and understand that there is only uh, one body. Now, we do have to understand, too, that that one body doesn't mean just the one body here at Center Grove. Uh, there's one body universally as far as the church goes. I, I, that's why I should be able to, if we take the name of Christ, and that's what it is, a descriptive name, the church of Christ. It's like when, when I get married, my bride took my name. You know, didn't take my cousin's name, didn't take my friend's name. It took my name. She took my name. So part of, of, of that relationship, we become one. That's what we do with Christ. And it doesn't matter where 
That is, if it's the Lord's church, it should be the same body. Problem is, we don't find that every time. But we have to understand it's not just Center Grove. It's the Lord's body wherever that body meets. But it has to meet under the terms in which the head says, or it's not the body. Now, any thoughts or questions? When it comes, anybody else ever deal with that? Uh, having to, to deal with individuals or talk with individuals when it comes to the one church, the one body, and, and people disagree with that and make you uncomfortable? It's, it's not an easy conversation to have. It's not easy to... Uh, I, I had several of these conversations at work with uh, several individuals, but one in particular. And, you know, this individual, from all, everything that I see, is a, or was a good person, was a, a, a good uh, uh, individual, morally, just, you know, really good, and just uh, seemed to, in essence, put God first uh, to an extent, except for this. And if you can't put God first in this of what he says, then how can we really follow him on anything else? And it is sad. It is sad when we're confronted with that. But there is, we have to understand there's absolute truths that we can't change, that we have to follow because, again, we don't set the rules. I'm not the head. That's a problem. We think we are. We think we're the head and we control what the body does, but we don't. We do what the head says to do. That, that's what the body uh, is designed for. So when we, uh, when we think about this, just think about uh, the oneness of this and unity and what unity really means or there's not really unity. What about the one spirit? Uh, our unity is based on, think about this, the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit revealed the word of the Lord to us, the will of the Lord to us. It, 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 you know, God's word breathed, and that's what we're going to talk about in a worship service. But I have to believe that one spirit. And, and some people don't have a problem with that. They say, yeah, I just believe in one spirit when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But do you believe what that one spirit has done and produced of bringing that one faith to us that's revealed through God's word? See, we, we can't believe that there's different faiths or different... And here's where people kind of go awry with this. Yeah, I believe in the one spirit. That spirit told me that, that I should worship God this way, or the spirit told me and led me this particular way. Well, how could the spirit tell you one thing and me something different and follow the one Lord? How, how can we actually do that? See, when we really break this down, it doesn't make any sense. It makes us feel good not to talk about it. It makes us feel good not to get into it. But it actually just shows that we really don't understand. Because the one spirit re revealed that one word to us that, that uh, Jesus said. So what are we following? Different faiths? Did he re re, you know, receive different faiths? I've always wondered this. Uh, can I stand before God on the day of judgment and say, Yeah, I know your word said this, but remember I, the, the spirit whispered this to me. And I'm not trying to make fun, but that's what people think. That's what people say. That's how people live. They, they believe that the Spirit will tell Jimmy something different to me or, or Chris something different to me or Mark, whoever, that, okay, here's what I'm following. This is my truth because my inner voice, which is that Spirit, has told me to do this. No, the only reason I know how to walk worthy of the call in which I've been called, only reason I know what's worthy is because that's what God told me it is. 
And he's going to tell me the same thing that he tells you because he reveals it in his word. He doesn't reveal this in some mysterious way, some secret voice in the middle of the night. Again, they're just one spirit. Notice Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, Paul says, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. That one Spirit revealed the mystery of God to the apostles and the prophets so that we, all who read it today, what they wrote, understand the insights in which they had. What was revealed to them is what's revealed to us. It's no longer a mystery. We, we know what the head wants the body to do. It's been revealed for us to do. We don't say, well, yeah, I know that's what it said, but this is what I'm going to do. You know, my arm doesn't say, well, I know that's what my brain wants, but I'm going to do this and detach from the body. It doesn't do that. And I have to realize that there's just one spirit. What about the hope? One hope. It's no surprise that the one spirit leads us into this one hope. Now this is what the spirit was promising over and over again. The spirit would be poured out when Christ came, which would bring about renewed hearts, which we could follow because he's now revealed that to us. And we have hope. It's not hope of things of this world. It's hope of eternal life. That's what we have the hope for now. And there's only one hope because there's only one way to obtain that eternal life that God has promised us when it comes to a home with Him. So I, I have faith now. I, I, I realize that, that there's only one body and that one body follows what that one Spirit has revealed to us through His Word that brings me hope of what's been revealed to me. It's just that one hope. I don't hope for this over here and that over there. It's that one hope. And if that's not what we're striving for, then why do we bother doing it? You know, some people have a problem when people say, well, I hope that, that I'm going to make it to heaven. And I think sometimes when we say that, it's because we're not really sure. But I think we, we can say I have that hope. I have that hope because of what he's been, it's been revealed to me. So now I have that hope, which I didn't have. So what, how we should say it is, now I have that hope of eternal life for him. It's not that I'm wishing that I'll do it. I have that hope now. And that's the greatest thing that he could give us, isn't it, is hope. I mean, think about it. You're without hope. You're dead in our trespasses, as the Bible says. Now we have hope. That's good news, isn't it? Which, that's what the gospel is. So see how all of these are, are tying together? That you, you can't have one without the other. You can't just pick and choose what we have when it comes to, to the, that oneness, that unity. There has to be this foundation because if there's not a foundation, there's nothing to build upon. There can't be unity. There has to be unity when it comes to these absolute truths. What about the one Lord? The concept is very simple. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is Lord. When I do what I want to do, guess what? There's not one Lord anymore, is there? I'm, I'm Lord now because I'm doing what I want to do. That, that's where 
individuals in the religious world go astray. They say they believe in the one Lord, but then they do what they want to do when it comes to worship, when it comes to praying, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to, to living that Christian life in that one body. This is what I think you should do. This is, I mean, talk to anybody. Talk to anybody who's, who's uh, uh, in the religious world and you start talking to them about their worship, start talking to them about their Christian life, and even to some extent, we can do this in the church. They say, well, why do you do that? Well, I feel like this is, but what's wrong with that statement? Is there anything wrong with that statement? I feel. Does it really matter what I feel? You know, I mean, think about it. People say, well, you've got to be sincere about it. You've got to feel the right way about it. Well, there, there's some importance in feelings, but I don't do right because I feel right. I feel right because I'm doing right. So it doesn't matter how I feel. It matters is how I'm going to please God. And if I'm doing it my way, then I become Lord. And the Bible says I can't serve two masters. I, I, I either serve him or I don't serve him. There's, there's no in between. There's no both. There's no back and forth. So I'm either doing what I want to do. Why do you think uh, uh, Jesus said we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow after him? Why, why is there the deny yourself part? Ever think about that? What reason would I have to deny myself? You know, I, I'm supposed to love myself. I'm supposed to treat myself well. Why would I need to deny myself? Yeah, I, I wouldn't do his will if I didn't, would I? It, it's not easy to submit to someone else's will because it, it comes down to control. We all want to be able to control ourselves. We all want to make decisions for ourselves. We all want to do what we think is right, what we feel is right, what eases our mind, what gets along with other people, what creates unity is what we think in our mind. But does it really create unity? If, if Jesus is not Lord, there's not one Lord, there can't be unity. Because remember, Jesus prayed that we would be one like him and the Father is one. And Jesus said he came to do what? To do his Father's will, didn't he? And his Father's will was to bring that hope of salvation to us through doing the Father's will. Now, it may not make sense to us. Remember, he's going to bring to foolishness the wise. You know, God's plan looks foolishness to those that are perishing. So they're their own Lord. They think it ought to be some other way. Remember we talked about, <coughs> excuse me. We talked about last week Naaman who thought that it should have been done another way. It should have been done this way. He should have come out and waved his arm. It should have been another river. It should have been whatever it is. But see, he thought that it should have been something different. It wasn't following what the way was. And there was only one way for him to be clean. And that was following that way. And it's the same thing when it comes to us. There has to be one Lord. And for there to be one Lord means I'm not him. And I have to deny myself. What about the one faith? This leads us, again, to one faith. This means that there is one body of truth that has been revealed by God through the Spirit. And we can't believe whatever we want to believe and have the one faith. This is, uh, this is probably the crutch of the whole thing is 
many people, including us from time to time, think it would be better if it was another way. Think it would be still acceptable if it was another way. But if he says there's one faith, is there any room for any other kind of faith? There, there, there's no, no room for it. There, there has to be one faith if he says one faith. Now, when we start thinking about that one faith, we start thinking about all the things that that kind of entails, all the things that that kind of uh, uh, means, and we start adding a lot to it, but it really means we follow the one faith, and that one faith is what he wants us to have. Uh, in Jude, uh, uh, verse 3, remember what he said? Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. Now he's writing about a common salvation, right? He said, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to <clears throat> contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So there's something he said to contend for. There's something that he said was part of that common salvation. And there was something that was once for all delivered. That means there's nothing else that's going to be delivered. That means to be part of that common salvation, we have to contend earnestly for not a faith, not one of the faiths, but what? The faith. Now that's the difference. It's the faith. Now we may not like that. We may think that that's narrow-minded. But think about it. If, if I was to ask you what is 2 plus 2, what would you tell me? It's 4. Why is it four? What if I said it was seven? You can't tell me it's not seven. That's narrow-minded. You can't tell me that there's only one answer to two plus two. Now see, that makes no sense, does it? That makes absolutely no sense. Believe me, there's times in geometry I argued a lot with Peggy Anderson on some things. She let me know real quick there's only one answer. I don't care what you put on that paper. And, you know, I'm an arguer, so I like to argue, but... The grade was still the same. It didn't change because there was only one answer. Matter of fact, the reason I got it wrong is is because I got the right answer at times. I just didn't get to it the right way. So I was arguing how I got to it. And she said, there's only one way to get to that answer too. To get to this answer, it has to be done this way. And as much as I argued about that, I still think about that today. To get to the right answer that God wants us to be on, we have to be on that right path to do it. So to have that one hope, there has to be that one faith. And I can't be narrow, you know, I can't say that it's narrow-minded to say there's any other way. Jesus said there's only one way. Jesus said he's going to prepare a place for you. Steve, you have Now, say that one more time. I'm sorry. I can't hear all this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what gets me, you, you can talk to some of these same individuals, and they'll say, okay, here's how we believe it, here's how we teach it, but you're all right if you teach it this other way. And I don't understand how you can do that. I can't, I can't come up here today in this pulpit and say baptism is essential for salvation. And Titus gets up here tonight and says baptism is not essential salvation. What do you think would happen? Would y'all say, okay, yeah, Ronald can be right and Titus can be right too. 
Or what if I decide, I'm, you know, I'm like, maybe Titus says, okay, you preach not wrong. Well, I get up and I say that. I say this morning, baptism is essential salvation. I say tonight, the baptism is not essential salvation. Can I do that? Can one person teach it two different ways and be right? So how can two different people teach it two different ways and be right? How can four different people teach it four different ways and they all be right? It, it doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, I've got to understand that there is only one faith that was delivered. Now, here's the thing. The only thing that I know about salvation, the only thing that I know about the path to salvation, the only thing I know about the faith is what's been revealed to us by the one Lord and one God, right? So that, that oneness has revealed it to us. I, I don't have a right to say there's something else. I don't have a right to say, well, that's too narrow-minded if you, if you believe it that way. It is a narrow path, isn't it? It's a narrow gate. And I don't think it's narrow-minded. I think it's, it's a wonderful gift that God gives us that he gives us the plan to begin with. I just have to follow that plan. And I can't deviate from that plan. I can't say, well, I think it ought to be this way. You know, I think it ought to be this, just like we talked about, what was it, last week, on things we thought were in the Bible, were not, you know, all roads lead to heaven, it doesn't matter which way you go, we're all going to the same place anyway. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says there's only one faith, and that one faith is what I have to uh, contend with, that one faith is what I have to realize that I have to follow and be a part of, or I don't receive that one hope. That, that we're all striving for. What about uh, the one baptism? Uh, when it comes to baptism, the Apostle Peter makes the meaning clear. 1 Peter 3 and 21 says that this is how we appeal to God for a clean conscience. We, we can't skip around and that's around this. There's either one baptism for us or there's not. We either believe that we do it or we don't. We can believe that there's different ways or, or we don't. So there's, if, if again... To have this unity, I have to have these unchangeable foundations that Paul gives us. And if you notice as he starts Ephesians, as he goes through this, especially when he gets to chapter 3 and he gets in the first part of chapter 4, he says, okay, here's the things that you should do. We're, we're adopted. We're, we're, we're heirs with Christ. We're, uh, and here's how you should walk. Here's how you should be. And here's these fundamental truths, these foundational truths that you have to follow. But somewhere down the line, we, we, we skip over these and we don't think that, that they're important. It's either one or it's not. There's either many or there's one. And we have to decide whether we're going to follow that one or not. Um, Peter in Acts 2, verse 38, Peter said, uh, you know, we've got to repent, be baptized, every one of you. Paul says we're, we're buried with Christ. So it's immersion. It's... Uh, either I believe it's essential or I don't. If I believe the one faith and I'm teaching the one faith, I have to teach the one baptism because that's what the faith that's been revealed to us says that there is. So I can come up with my own creed. I can come up with my own bylaws within that body that I've separated from or, or not. We either believe it or we don't. And this is, this is a simple, simple thing. But we can make it so complicated that 
we, we don't know what's right anymore sometimes. Because we, we've watered down so many things, we have to make sure that we realize I've got to be long-suffering with people. I've got to be able to talk to people. I've got to be able to be kind with people. I've got to bear one another's burdens. We have to have all these characteristics, but these characteristics are built upon that one firm, absolute truth of a foundation. And that's that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope, one uh, uh, God and Father who's above all and through all. The, these oneness, these seven ones that, that Paul talks about is these, the, the, the very foundation of what everything else is built upon. We either believe that or it crumbles. And it, it can be hard to believe that or to stand up for that in the world in which we live. But we have to. Because our souls are at stake. That hope, that one hope, is what we're striving for. So when we're talking to our families, we have to stay true to that foundation. When we're talking to our friends, we have to stay true to that foundation. When we're talking to our co-workers, we have to stay true to that. We can't just go along to get along. You know, I believe it or not, it, I don't like controversy. I'll do whatever I can to get out of a conflict, uh, you know, but you can't just go along to get along. Sometimes you have to stay and say, okay, this is something I can't move on because the faith that I'm following doesn't move. The path that I'm walking doesn't vary. The Lord that I serve doesn't change. So that's what I have to believe in. That's what I have to follow. This is, as I said, the, the, the fundamental things. This is the... Two plus two is four. I think if we just always remember that, that that's the answer, then this is the answer to the one faith. The, these ones are the foundation. Someone says, can you change that? I can't change that because two plus two is four. It's an absolute truth, and that's what I have to, I have to follow because it's unchangeable. Any thoughts or comments? I appreciate you indulging me this morning. I hope I at least gave you something, uh, something to think about that may help us. Oh, go ahead. What's that?